So for this episode, I interviewed my friend and co-worker Mel. Mel and I talk about her genealogy project. She's been able to track her family back many years, and we talk about how she does that through visiting cemeteries, using Ancestry.com. I think some DNA testing is thrown in there, and she looks through archives in various places. Uh, my plan is for this to be the first in a series of conversations with people in my social sphere. Maybe the working title is Conversations with People. I've been reading a lot of books lately, How to Find Fulfilling Work, The Power of Habit, Smarter, Faster, Better. Uh, those last two are both Charles Duhigg books. Um, I've been ingesting a lot of philosophy. The Philosophize This podcast is really good. The School of Life YouTube channel is really good and related to, to all of those things. Um, the philosopher and writer and TED talker, Alain de Baton, I probably butchered his pronunciation there, um, but he wrote a great book called The Constellations of Philosophy. So weaving all of those ideas together, philosophy and work and everything else, are uh, two books, Working by Studs Terkel and Gig, which was edited by John Bowe and Marissa Bowe. Both of those books basically take oral histories from everyday people and they transcribe them, um, talking about their jobs and how they approach their jobs. To sum up all of that, what I want to do is I want to have conversations with people more regularly about what motivates them, whether that's their hobbies or their jobs or their pets or whatever. Um, I'm not focused on famous people. I want to hear from people in my social sphere, possibly work, possibly roller derby, however, however I'm associated with them. Um, and have regular conversations about what motivates them. Maybe this episode here is the first part in a series, and um, maybe it's a good way for me to accomplish those goals. Okay, with all that said, um, here is my conversation with my friend and coworker Mel, about her genealogy research. Recording. All right. Here we go. It's on. Probably not the. It's just recording on my iPhone, so it's probably not like amazing audio, but it looks sure. like we're getting something. Okay. So, Melissa. Yes. You're. you're it's, tell me about the genealogy stuff. How did you get into that? Mm. I'm going to plug this thing into. I think. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's probably some element of my... I have family members that were also interested in genealogy, and so they tell kind of... Not necessarily like the... Like, you're descended from this person and this person and this person, but they tell the family stories, so mm -hmm. to speak. And so... I became interested in people that I didn't know... Like my grandfather's brother that died way before I was born. But I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about 
them. I know you can't really get that out of you know, looking at records or things, but you can eventually start to put some things together and figure out like what their life was like if you add some context. So that and I just, it's like a puzzle piece. So I would start um, like getting as far as I can and then kind of being proud when I was able to get a little bit further or find a connection that somebody else hadn't done. So I found it challenging. Mm -hmm. well, it'll probably be how I got into it. And now there's just more that kind of rolls and compounds where I keep finding more things that interest me. You've done a lot of stuff with it, like from what you've told me, right? You go to, how, what have you done? What kind of stuff have you done? Um, I go to the local history centers. So some of them could be like the county. Some of them could be the state. So like there's the state history center that you can go to and it holds all of our archives so you can find stuff like that. I've gone to different um, libraries or county or city government entities in other states because once you get past a certain spot in your family tree, like I mean, whoever was the last folks to come to Minnesota, then I have to go elsewhere, so then I'll go back there, um, go to cemeteries. How many cemeteries have you gone to? Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> I should count. That would be interesting. I would say that I've been to at least more than 50. Really? Yeah. Wow. I've been to a lot of cemeteries. I knew it was a high number. I was expecting you to say like, oh, I've been to like 15 or 20. No, I've been to 50. 50. 50 I would say like around 50, maybe a little bit more. How many because, years have you been doing it? Well, how old am I? It's been a while. Oh, okay. I mean, I've been doing it for at least a decade, kind of off and on. Oh, maybe, okay. Maybe okay. even more like two decades off and on, right? So mm -hmm. like, um, and I'm not doing, like a lot of people will trace their family trees and they'll say, I'm going to go like my father, my father's father, his father, his father, right? Or they'll do the couples and so my my father's parents and my mother's parents. And I try to, certainly I don't just stop on the father because I feel like the, the mothers get kind of like, they get left behind and their family kind of, their contribution is, is lessened somehow because just because that's how we work as a society that there was a little more focus on the, the, the father's line. Well, yeah, so, and, and they lost their last names. Right, Historically, right. yeah. Right, and some of their stories are the most interesting ones, mm -hmm. I think. So mm -hmm. I follow both. Like, I'll follow my father's line and my mother's line, and then within those, I follow those lines. So it's, you know, if I'm going to look for just my third generation back, I'm not looking at four individuals. I'm looking at more like eight individuals because I'm looking at their... So when you start wrapping all that stuff up, you you have a lot of choices of where you can go and research, mm -hmm. which is good because often you get stuck. Mm -hmm. Like you'll get to a particular person and get just uh, hit a brick wall and then you have to move to somebody else so that then you can... And then I go back, like, so I'll just bounce back and forth and I'll be like, I'm going to try to find something about that person again. And so then I'll go back again. What do you, and what, what's the actual process when you say you hit a brick wall? Like, how do you, what do you do? How do you find information? Um, so I will look for a known ancestor. So like, say if I know 
the name of my great-great-grandfather. Um, I'll take that name and birthdays, and then I'll go to, like, Ancestry.com, because they have a whole bunch of records, or I'll go to um, FamilySearch.org, which is the Mormon church, which did yeah. a ton of record collecting around the nation, so you can look through their stuff. Their stuff is not as accurate, but I'll go there, and then sometimes I'll go to newspapers, or I'll go to, there's a place called Find a Grave, which sometimes that houses more information than just a grave. Um, what kind of information are you looking for when you go to the graves? Uh, often I'm looking at confirming birth and death dates, because if I didn't know that individual, I don't, or if I don't have some sort of first-hand document, like a birth certificate or a death certificate, I may not know exactly those dates, and those dates are helpful to like pinpoint either between a generation, because sometimes you'll have like a senior or junior, right, in the name, or, um, I don't know, it, some names are really common, especially in Minnesota, where it's like John Johnson, sure, you're going to have a gazillion of those, so you need to have the dates to make sure you've got the right person. Um, I'll look at associations to be like, who else is buried there, so like I'm at a, a, um, a brick wall with a member of my family, whose married last name was Ewing and whose maiden name was Connor. And her death certificate says her parents' names were Anthony and Hannah Connor, but I can't find them anywhere. So I've gone to the cemetery she's buried in to see if there are other Connors with the idea that small town other Connors potentially they knew each other. And then I can try to find if those other people buried there are related to this person that I'm looking for, which can be tricky. But, chan I mean, back back at the generations that I'm looking at, which but it was not, well, I mean, it's still the case today. Ancestors tend, or family tend to be buried together or close, right, same county, or if it, a lot of my family were farmers. So... They're buried on the family farm or the next farm over or their husband's family farm. So you're able to find a little more information by looking at the cemetery. That and sometimes it's just, I don't know, it's just interesting. There's some cemeteries have some, some history to them just themselves. Like you look at the church that is associated with and then when that church was built and what... Um, what was the funding for that church? Like, they'll often say the story, and sometimes that has to do with the community. So uh, there's a church in Michigan that my family is associated with, and if you were just looking at the graves, you wouldn't catch it. But if you look directly across the street where this church is built, it's beautiful. It's made out of, like, stone. Um, and uh, they talk about the church. So just in like the church literature in the church basement really so you go down to the basement and it's talking about that this church was built at such and such a time and it was a collection of community members that said we need a church and so they started um, saving funds and started like seeking people to come to, to be there in this case it would be a catholic priest that they're looking for so they're talking to the diocese to see what they can get set up and this church was built 
out of stones that the farmers collected out of their farms. Like they had big stones they needed to remove and so they just put them in a pile and they'd use them towards building the church itself. Um, and then in that church I found there were stained glass windows that had my family's names because the family members could contribute. They'd, they'd give money towards the church but essentially then the church would be like hey we'll make this stained glass window you know in honor of your your dead relatives mm -hmm. so um, I think it can be interesting here's a tangent question do you want to be do you want to be buried do you want to have a mm -hmm. because for your for your relatives you know yeah your, your great 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 granddaughters I don't know I've struggled with that because I feel like there's such um space issues, right? Yeah, like, there's yeah. not a lot of space anymore, and I'm not a, um, not a really good Catholic. I was, I was born and raised Catholic, but at this point we joke that my family is a bunch of recovering Catholics. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Lately I've toyed with the idea they have, I forget what they're called, but they have, like, these, um, pods where they essentially, like, use you to fertilize a tree um, and you could um, you could have a like a, you could have a marker of some kind mm -hmm. right or like somebody had talked in a like a magazine article or something online about having like the trees plotted out on a grid or like a GPS so you'd know like that's that's where so and so was at some point mm -hmm. right but it's instead it's a it's an orchard of some kind. Or, mm -hmm. So I feel like I, I'd like that. I'd like something. Yeah. I think there is some part of me that feels like I get annoyed when I get to a family line and I can't find more information. Mm -hmm. And I and I feel saddened because I, I want to know what happened with them. Mm -hmm. And so I would like to have something to pass down to someone, even though I, I you know, I don't have plan on having children, so I, I wouldn't have that, but I might have nieces or nephews or, yeah. you know, so I'd like to give them something. It's also why I document everything I do so that I've, I'm going to put it in like book format and website format. It's private to our family and give it to people so that yeah. it's there. Because I feel the same thing happens with like photos. Family photos disappear because one person is the keeper of them, and then they die, and then they're gone. Mm -hmm. So if you can share the wealth, so to speak, like scan it, put it online, and then everybody has it, then, you know, five generations from now, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's my old great-great-great-aunt Melissa. And mm -hmm. She had, she, we don't know what she did, but that's what she looked like, right? Like, <laughs> right. So, is is any of it uh, is any of that stuff compelled by like, you know, humans need to seek immortality in some way, like like uh, you know you're you're preserving these lost things to try mm -hmm. and make permanence or anything. Like that. I don't know if it's like immortality in my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, certainly not on an individual level. I guess. No. I guess it's more of the story, like mm -hmm. there's a line of people, there's like a clan of people, or a group of people, and 
their story contributes to everyone's story somehow. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really just the... I guess that there is some immortality there, but it's not like a personal need. It's more of a... Um, this is how, how this group of people fits in this greater group of people. And maybe, I mean, maybe, I've heard people that have said, like, something poetic, something that was like, there's, you, you exhibit two deaths, one when you die and one when your name ceases to be said. Yeah. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I buy that, because I have different theories of what happens when we die anyway, mm-hmm. so. Okay. Uh, but I, I think the story is important. Is it, I... Uh, I think there's some part of me that also believes that it's the cliche term of you need to know your history so you don't repeat it, and I think that comes down to like, you know, my ancestors came to the United States because they were starving to death in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Well, let's not repeat that, even though we had cool things that came out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? We should try to learn some lessons on a personal level. That, and I think people don't really listen to things unless there's some sort of personal attachment. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you have to have you have to have some buy-in somehow. Yeah. There's some sort of like, oh that can't happen to me. Well actually it did. Like it happened to your your great great grandfather or your great great grandmother and that's the only reason you're here. Mm-hmm. So well, I don't know. But I do struggle with that. Like sometimes I think, am I doing this so there, there's a little bit of immortality for me, but I don't, I don't really think so. That wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, I no. think it's human nature. No, I don't, I don't think it's bad, but I, don't, I just don't think that's the driving force. Yeah. Because to me, it's really, it really is about like that bigger story. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I guess. Do you do like, um, when you go to the graves and stuff, do you do like rubbings? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I just I like the aesthetics of those things. Like that I, really cool. Some of them I some of them I do not do, I have to admit that I, I feel badly, but there's some that it's like, yeah, they look like another gravestone. Mm-hmm. But there have been some that are really kinda cool looking. Mm-hmm. Like they're very ornate somehow, or they're just really, really old. And if they're really, really old, I I've seen too many where like the gravestone itself is um knocked in half and in pieces and unreadable and so and they'll often replace it with something Mm -hmm. but then it's this kind of modern thing right there's you lost the original aesthetic or the original like they replace it with something that just has a a name and dates where the original might have some symbol hidden in it somewhere like there there's a code for Cemetery symbols, gravestone symbols, and what they typically meant at the time. Like a stump is someone that was died early in life. It represents a, a life uh, cut short, right? Yeah. So, um, so if that's the case, then sometimes I'll do a rubbing. Sometimes if it's uber significant to me, I'll also take some sort of earth or earth from someone else and like swap it to like... Mm-hmm. I had a so many great grandfather that died in the Civil War, and he's buried apart from his wife. She's uh, buried in Michigan, and he's buried in Virginia. Yeah. And so, various members of the family that have gone kind of almost like on a pilgrimage to see him, have taken dirt from her grave, and uh, 
dropped it in where he's buried and then vice versa. Because uh, they were too poor to actually ship his body back home. Yeah. So. That's a nice sentiment. That's pretty yeah. cool. A little bit of something there. Yeah. Did you say you keep some of it? Sometimes. What do you What do you do with it? I don't know. Put it on a shelf. <laughs> yeah, like in a cool jar or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes it sits in a ziploc with a little note in it until I figure out what I can do with it because I don't I don't know. Like sometimes I have the best intentions to do something interesting, and I don't. Or um, I don't I don't know. Like it's you don't want to build like a shrine, but like a. I think that's interesting when I go into people's houses and I look at their, like, if they have portraits up or if they have stuff up. If it's stuff that's really connected to them somehow, I, like, I want to talk to them about that and see mm -hmm. what that is. So, one day I could see, like, putting a couple of jars of dirt somewhere, I guess, or... Um, we have a, a family that we call it the Family Drinking Bridge in Michigan, and... Because um, it was built when there was a anyway, there was it was built after a drinking contest and yeah. um, a bridge. Yeah. Oh, okay. Bridge. bridge. Yeah. So, so they were gonna build this bridge in this small town, and there were two men that were kind of involved with it. And one was my like third great grandfather, no fourth great grandfather, and um, they were trying to determine where it was going to be. And one kind of wanted it in one location, the other in the other. And so the town decided they would, like, they would figure it out by having a drinking contest. So they started early that morning, these two men. And my grandfather was the one that, like, was able to remain standing. And so he said, so the bridge is going to be here, and it's going to be called this. And so it's called the, the, the Morantat Bridge, which is my family's last name. And, um, or that many generations back it is, and uh, they did, so they put the bridge there, and that's, that's what it was. So we have, um, it's now, it's on the National Historic Register, but it is falling apart, and so one of the last times I was near there, um, two of the really old, like long, cool nails were like laying underneath the bridge, they had come out, and because you can't you can't walk or travel on it anymore, it's falling apart. And so I took two of those nails and took them home with me. Yeah. And I don't know. I'll probably put it in like a shadow box or something and give it to my my family. Yeah. Was it something to do with it? Because eventually the bridge will be gone. Yeah. Right? Like well, hopefully it won't, but eventually it will. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And d didn't you didn't you show me a picture of like some crazy house that? But somebody, what happened there? What, what was the deal with the yeah. house? Um, so, it's actually the same guy that built this bridge. Oh, okay. It's, and the bridge, uh, if you're looking at the house, behind the house is a river, a small river, and the bridge is what connects the house side to the other side of the river. And so it sits not very far from that house. Um, but the house was... The, one of the first, like, structurally, uh, like, European-style house built in the area. They called it the Queen of the Prairie because it was big. I mean, it's, it's 
like a Greek revival theme or something, and it has two wraparound porches. It's beautiful. Um, but it was just a big house, and it was one of the first houses in the area, and it was the, the site before they built a church. They had church services in the house, and the first white person was born in the house. and um, So it stayed in our family for a very long time, but then I think in the 70s, it must have, I mean, I think it was just too expensive for the family to keep up because it's a large house. Um, and it kind of, I don't know exactly how it, it was sold, but the family sold it. And then it lay vacant for a little while and the town liked the house so much that they said, well, we have to restore it. And so they got it on the historic register so that Nobody could tear it down. And then now um, some author and her husband, who's an illustrator, bought the house. And they've been restoring it and restored the gardens and restored the area nearby. And um, I think she's actually writing a book about the history of the house because it's where some treaties with the Indians were signed. And Wow. Yeah. So... It's a house that everybody in my family will go back to look at and see, and very yeah. few of us have ever seen the inside. Yeah, it, it, maybe I'm making up this story, but didn't you say you tried to, you tried to like see the inside, and they, and maybe I'm making that up. I I would love to see the inside. I have not been at a spot where I can, can get somebody to let me in. Yeah. It, actually, my aunt just recently went back. Yeah. Uh, for my great uncle's funeral. Well, I went for the funeral, she went for the interment, and um, she met the owner, and they said, come on in! And I was, oh, I was cool. like raving jealous, because I really, really wanted to see the inside of the house. Yeah. But um, there might be a connection there where we get to go back again and see, but no, I've, I've actually never seen the inside of the house. Yeah. I just think that there's something about, like, you know, we're all sort of our... I feel like we're connected through internet things now. Yeah. So we have, like, in some ways less privacy, but then in other ways we have, like, way more privacy mm-hmm. to ask just somebody to be like, can I see the inside of your house? Because right. my great-grandfather used to live here. Like, you could know this person's political beliefs at the drop of a hat or, like, you know... Right, like, but you can't see that. Yeah. Yeah, it is, it is interesting. I mean... And plus, I mean, there's a part of me like, would I want to just say, yeah, sure, come on in. Yeah, and, you know, right. I may want to say, you know, my house is a mess right now. Can you come back tomorrow? <laughs> or yeah. or I might put some sort of limit on, like, you can come in and you can show, I can show you around, but I'd prefer if you didn't take any photos or something, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's where you live. I don't, <laughs> I don't want somebody putting that online for my house, so... Mm-hmm. So, I suppose it's some, some reminder of space is what you make it at the time. Yeah. And then it goes away. Yeah, yeah. What, what, do you have, what are you working on? Do you have anything coming up for that, for your genealogy stuff? Um, I have... My, my grandmother was adopted, and so I've been doing some DNA research my family all took DNA tests so we could try to figure out 
uh, who her biological parents were, and right. I made some... Do they all research this stuff, too? Or they just know that you're into it, and they help you They out? know that I'm into it, and they, they want to know the answers, but yeah. they just, they're not into it the way I am, and so, like... I said, well, this would be the way we could figure it out. And they're like, well, we'll take the DNA test. That's fine. And so everybody did. And um, so I've been working on that. And I, I made some connections with people that are from the biological family. And they're also taking DNA tests. So we'll see. We're, we, know, we know which family it is. We just don't know which of the male children at the time it was. So we're mm -hmm. just like three people. So I'm doing that. And I've been... Uh, pondering a trip to Ireland and so I'm trying I'm trying really hard to see if I can figure out the the other Irish people in my family that um, we don't know where they're from in Ireland mm -hmm. it's they came at a really I mean I am imagining that potentially they came at the height of the potato famine he died in the Civil War she died a widow late uh, and we just don't know that much, and so I might only be able to use the DNA to figure out where they're from. Mm -hmm. But I don't, I don't know. So I'm looking at that because I, I'd like to be able to figure it out if we, before we go to Ireland, if we go to Ireland. Yeah. Because I would like to go see that. Yeah. Do you want? Would you ever want to make this into a public consumption thing? To like your own little like Ken Burns <laughs> and my family and or something. This is your life. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You know, like people. I have had other people that have asked me, other friends that know I'm into it, and um, and they found. I guess I. T one of my friends said that I I do this differently than other people because she said you. She said you being me adds a bunch of context, so which is true because again, how I kind of got into this is I want to see what people's lives were like. So, like, if I'm not familiar with what was happening in the 1860s, which of course I was, but if I wasn't, like, I'm gonna look it up and be like, oh, it was the American Civil War, and this is what was happening, and this is where they lived. Like, try to add context, and even if it's like a podunk town in the 1700s somewhere I'll probably look up and be like what was the major industry in that town mm -hmm. or the census records tell you if someone was a laborer if they were a farmer if they owned something if they rented something so I add that context so some of my stories I think my friends do like hearing because they've asked me to like tell me about that thing because some of them can be funny I guess um mm -hmm. Otherwise, most of the time, it's just trying to help somebody figure out their own story. Like, yeah. I've, I've had people that are like, I can't find this. And I'm like, let me look for you. And Because uh -huh. I'm just, once you start doing it, you kind of get in a pattern of you know where to look and you know what to look for and you know what how to vary the name so you're going to find it. And so I'll do stuff like that. But what, I don't know. What was, the, what, were, what was the funny thing that you were Oh, gosh. I'll just, like, sometimes I have... Um, I'll, I remember I, I, like, I remember some of the family stories yeah like um, my my grandfather and his brothers and sisters when they lived in this small town called Three Rivers in Michigan lived in the old undertaker's house 
And so, like, there was an undertaking table. I don't know what that's called, but it was, like, in the basement. So it was, like, a spooky old house. There, the top was a funeral parlor until they moved in, um, the first floor. And so the kids would, like, really use that to their advantage to try to scare each other because they were really, they were practical jokers. So um, my grandfather once hooked up a garden hose to his bedroom on the second floor to his brother's bedroom in the basement and put a funnel in it and put it through the window so that when they went to bed that night, he waited for like hours and then woke up and was like, Bob, Bob, I can hear you snoring, Bob, and just tried to scare the crap out of him. <laughs> through uh, a garden hose? Through a garden hose, yeah. <laughs> or like they, um, the brothers once were trying to make some extra money and so they made their own scuba diving tank, like head tank, the old fashioned kind that's sealed. And they'd go into the lake nearby with a garden hose attached to a generator. They're lucky they all lived. And they'd go down into the lake and, like, collect golf balls. And then they'd bring them back up and, like, sell them back to people. So that's how they made some extra cash. I guess it wasn't deep enough to get, like, the bends or anything like that. No, no, it wasn't that deep. But they could stay down there. And they, they thought it was, like, you know, promising that they could build their own... They were also, I think... It's certain generations of my family, they were very um, curious folks who would be into like making their own stuff and doing their own things. And so they didn't think twice of like, yeah, let's make our own like deep diving tank and hook it up to a garden hose and a generator so that we have some oxygen. Like, you know, right. they were kind of, I'm sure, and they're in, or they'd have like old ghost stories or things like that. And so, yeah, we would. Um, I wrote them down when people told me, like my my grandfather, or my great uncles, and I would write them down because I thought they were funny. And sh sure enough, like if I actually took the time to like set it up and go through detail, I think sometimes they can be I, maybe as the the Irish storytelling that got passed down. Because sometimes I think I can tell them really well. I don't think I did so right now. <laughs> Those are funny. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Yes. It was fun. Yeah. You want me to stop? You got anything else to add? I don't think I do. Okay. I mean, I could talk for hours about genealogy, but I think I'm good. Okay. Is that what you wanted? Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs>